0: Welcome to the human capital innovations podcast in this HCI podcast episode, Dr. Russell and I continue our weekly servant leadership discussions this week, exploring the concept of community building in its relationship with servant leadership. Eric Russell. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks. It's good to see you, my friend. It's been a little while. We took a bit of a break um, as we were getting to the end of the summer and the academic year was beginning. And I know you had a move uh, during that time and it's been a busy time, Uh, but it's awesome to be back with you today. And we're going to continue our servant leadership series over the course of the summer uh, for about three months, we met weekly to have servant leadership discussions on various topics and aspects of servant leadership, uh, and it, it was such a pleasure to have the chance to, to have those conversations with you each and every week, and I missed it over the last month. Uh, today, we're going to continue, and we're going to be focusing on community building and servant leadership, and in the pre-interview today, we were you know, just having a discussion, and, uh, Brought up the the idea of tribalism and how that connects with community building. So I think we'll explore that a little bit as well. Um, as we get started, I just wanted to share Dr. Russell's bio with everyone. Uh, again, if you've caught any of our previous episodes in the Servant Leadership series, you're already familiar with Dr. Russell. Um, uh, but uh, in case you haven't caught those, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to them. Then. Um, Dr. Eric Russell is an associate professor in emergency services at UBU, um, and he is an HCI research uh, fellow, and he does a lot of writing around Homeland Security education and on responders and the impact of servant leadership on organizations and individuals. I could go on and on uh, regarding Eric's credentials and um, everything that he's been doing in this area, but. Uh, for any of you who've listened in the past, you you know that Eric is an expert when it comes to servant leadership. So welcome back, Eric. Anything you want to share by way of introduction or context for today?
1: Uh, that was nice. Um... I just like the fact that you and I get to to banter back and forth about this philosophy because we both believe in it and, and we kind of hone things out. And stuff has come out from these these podcasts as well. Like We've, ha- we've come up with other ideas as far as is writing and publishing some stuff. So, yeah, these, these are cool. They, they mean a lot because it's a way to just dive into something that we both love and, and, and we see as a way to just help people and organizations be their best and healthiest. So,
0: yeah, ex- excellent. Um, and, and maybe I'll, I'll draw, I haven't talked about this before on the podcast, but I'll draw everyone's attention to, uh, a new area on the website. If you go to the, the innovative human com uh, website, you know, for, for human capital innovations, then, uh, go to the pop, the podcast tab. Um, there you'll see all of the podcast episodes, of course, which are also available across all podcast um, platforms. Um, but on that page, if you click on the top, um, there's a place where you can then see all of our podcast episodes uh, by theme and category. Uh, and the Servant Leadership series is its own subset, right? And so you can click on that and find uh, all of the episodes that I've done on this podcast related to Servant Leadership. And about 80% of those have been with Eric. So uh, there have been a handful that have been with other people, uh, but great episodes, uh, lots of really interesting ideas and concepts that we've been exploring, and I would definitely encourage everyone to go back and take a look at those. All right, community building and servant leadership. Start us off with a little bit of a primer on, on why the idea of community building is so central. Uh, within servant leadership theory,
1: sure. Uh, so I'm going to take you back to the beginning, and then I'll show you even even where it went in my own work. Um, so from the initial essay that Greenleaf wrote, and then other works that he put out, you know, Dr. Larry Spears came in and he identified characteristics of servant leaders. And one of the things that he identified is the ten. Um, not exhaustive, but they, they've basically become the calling cod for most servant leadership literature and talks and the foundations for, for servant leadership works. But one of the 10 characteristics is building community. And that means bringing your people together, giving them, giving them that, that place to belong. It it goes to the heart of, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that safety and belonging, you know, those different tiers people want to feel like they belong. Even there's something wrong with people when they don't, they don't want to be with other humans, you know, when they, when they want to be isolated because we're social creatures. Right. And so my work, my second book, um, which is now on its uh, second edition in command of guardians, that's executive servant leadership for the community of responders. And what it is, is, is it's building community within your first responder organizations where after you go through something, it gives your people a place where it's okay to not be okay for a while. And it's a place where people can come in and take off their armor and let down their guard and come off point. You know, uh, it's a place where people can be supported and, and, and put back and made whole. And so the concept of building community is giving your people not just first responders but any any organization any group public private volunteer professional any organization you want to give people a place to belong to you know a place that they can be that they can be proud of where they collectively support that community and they build it You know, so if you have a hundred employees, those employees should, those people should feel as if they belong to a community. They belong to that, that bigger tribe, not tribalism because tribalism is unhealthy, but to belong to that tribe, that, that group, that organization is theirs. And they ride for that brand. That's what the cowboy poet said. You ride for that brand. Well, that brand is yours. And so when we think about like first responders or think about military, you know they have t-shirts of their units and all of this kind of stuff, and all of these chopskis you can buy and it just mean there's meaning there's meaning behind it, and the meaning is is they belong to that community and they feel safe in that community and they support that community and they want the best for it and that's what Greenleaf saw um, initially, and you could see it in his writings was instead of having these toxic organizations where people are just staring at their watches for the, you know, the clock to strike five and they can get the hell out of there. Uh, They want a place where they feel like they belong. They own it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, It's always great to be able to tie these concepts back to the original writings and to see the the arc of, of how these things have developed over time. You know, we talk about community in so many ways. You and I do a lot of community-based work, mm-hmm. even, out, even outside of servant leadership scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, community building is important in a, in a variety of ways. Now, it's essential within servant leadership because I, I think it's impossible to be a servant leader if you aren't creating a safe community space amongst your team, right, as you were just describing. Great point. If that's not there then something's not jiving with the way you're, you're leading your people, right? That it's a fundamental characteristic of what will emerge as you are a servant leader. Um, now that doesn't mean you can't have community without, um, a community can emerge in many ways. So you can have community emerge within an organization, um, that has someone who's not a servant leader, um, because there's other mechanisms happening that can allow that to happen. But if I'm a leader and I want to bring my people together with me, and collectively, we are working together towards a common cause, a common purpose, that inevitably creates that sense of community, and it's a natural byproduct of certain leadership. Um, so I think that's a, a wonderful aspect. Now, something you just mentioned a minute ago, and it comes back to what we were talking about before mm-hmm. we even started recording today, is the the idea of tribalism and how it connects with or contrasts with the idea of community building. Uh, it's it's really interesting, because right now, we are, you know, we live in a pretty darn polarized society right now, polarized in many ways, certainly politically. Um, but tribalism runs deep in many, many areas. And there's lots of different ideologies that people kind of get entrenched into. And then there's nothing wrong with, you know, having core values, beliefs um, that drive your actions and behaviors, right? Everyone has those, every community has those. The problem with entrenched ideologies is when they lead, lead to tribalism, where you are basically anyone who doesn't think, act, look like me, they're stupid, they're lazy, um, they're, uh, they're evil, you know, whatever negative type of descriptor that's out there. And that's what we see in politics. You know, it doesn't matter what who's saying what, who's doing what. Um, if, you know, in the U.S. at least, if you're a Democrat, most Democrats seem to think that Republicans are all evil. And most Republicans seem to think that all Democrats are evil uh, and stupid and, you know, that they don't love the country and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so it it, break, it breaks down any opportunity to have any sort of meaningful dialogue or debate on substantive issues to try to find compromise and to try to make progress forward on things. Of course people are gonna disagree. Of course intelligent, um, thoughtful people will disagree because they have different perspectives, they have different backgrounds, they have different values, they prioritize those values in different orders. So that will happen. That's where ideology is. Ideology in and of itself won't be dangerous as long as if I can hold to my ideology and recognize other, people's have, other people have theirs, and that's okay, and we can still be friends. We can still have community. We can still communicate. We can still work together. Um, tribalism is like this toxic form of it, and it's taking any sort of belief um, to an extreme to the point where, where you can't actually have functioning civil society anymore, you know? And so that's, that's kind of what we're seeing um, right now in the U.S. in a lot of ways in relation to Politics certainly, race relations, um, but you name it, just about anything. We're we're very polarized at the moment, um, which means it's probably as challenging as it has ever been for a servant leader to try to build community, meaningful community amongst their people. When we have an increasingly diverse workforce, uh, and you have people, you know, who have vastly different uh, views on some of these very fundamental issues. So even trying to get on the same page like the same starting point in terms of like fact you know in terms of like reality as as we see it so we can start to build from there that's a really hard place right now um thoughts on that Mm
1: -hmm. no these are (laughs) i don't even i don't even know where to begin with it you're absolutely right one of it's almost become their own religions you know I, i think back where it's like do you believe in god yes do you believe in my god no it's that joke and you know, and then, then you slay them dead. And, and, and uh, they really have become religions. And, and people are adhering to these ideologies as if they are some type of religion. And what they don't understand, and this is for both sides, is they don't understand, is at the end of the day, it is individuals asking you to give them power so they themselves can get rich and get their friends rich. That's what politicians are. And so what happens is, is they play, they played to each group's religion. Something you said years ago that always stuck with me was, it is, is if politics is um, a cable bundling where you have to get the phone, the internet and the cable TV all in one, or you can't have any of it. And you, so you have to buy the whole bundle. So if somebody says, you know, they're a Democrat, they believe A, B, and C. If somebody says they're a Republican, they believe A, B, and C. But what's happened is because of social media and because of the privileges that we have in our society, we live in a great, in a great society where everything's taken care of. If you flush your toilet, it probably is going to go down. If you, if you go to your faucet to get a clean drink of water, for the most part, you're going to get a clean drink of water. We don't have to worry about all of this other stuff. We don't have to worry about what our ancestors and then people in poor countries have to worry about. So we have the privilege of giving a damn about stupid stuff, okay? And that's really what, what has happened. Um, and it's forcing, people, it's forcing people away from one another. But there's a, there's a ton of people making a ton of money because of it. Like if everybody truly understood, if they really got it, they wouldn't be involved in social media anymore. They wouldn't use it. They wouldn't use it. They would watch that documentary, The Social Dilemma, on Netflix, and they would understand that these, these people are using you. They're using you to market to you. They're using you to get votes, and they're using you to make a ton of money. And what people watch, like on television, these, these news people, be it on CNN or Fox or whatever, those are actors. Those are actors. They're acting. They're playing a part. They're playing a role. And they're, they're dipping into your worst beliefs and causing you to, to fear other people. of people, you don't need to be afraid of them. Well, 98 to 99. There are about 2% of society as a whole are sociopaths and capable of horrible violence worldwide. But that's about it. So that means 98% of people are good. So if 98% of people are good, then why the hell do you care what they believe on what attacks should be? Okay, whether or not they believe in Austrian economics or more, uh, more of a progressive tax. Like, why? But what happens is, is because you don't have to worry about other things, i.e. you don't have to go out and kill something in order to feed your family. You can just go to the local grocery store. You can care about those things. And it's because as humans, we need to solve problems. That's our ancestry. And so, what's happening in our society right now, and the reason that building community is so important and why politics right now and social media is so toxic, is because it's taking away that community we 're forgetting to see that we are each other's brothers and sisters. we are each other's keepers you 're intertwined with with your neighbor, whether you like it or not, regardless of what their ideology is on um, you know taxes or what their their philosophy is on on you know, on capitalism. It doesn't matter. You're intertwined. And we live in a privileged society where everything is taken care of. When you call nine one one, you get a big fat fire truck showing up with, with four with four guys on it, four large human beings, to, to 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 solve your problems. And that's killing our communities. That that's and it's also happening in our organizations. You know, people we can take this all the way down to the organization where people are in fear for their own jobs, you know, going to work for most people is really about self preservation. And so if, if, if they have a community with there's openness, they share the work with other people, you know, it, it's more of a, it's more of a collaborative, a collaborative effort. You know, if you have that, people believe in that community and nobody cares what your feelings are on tax system. You know, nobody cares because they, they understand that the community itself, when you come together, that's where the success and the happiness comes from. But I can't just blame politicians. I will also, I will also blame um, a lot of this lean management theory. Um, in theory, lean management's a good thing, but it's become anorexia. You know, it, it's, it's to the point where everybody has, it, it's every, it's every person for themselves. They have to fear for their job. And so therefore, they don't see in some of these organizations that have such a toxic environment, they don't see their coworkers workers as um, their community, but they see them as their competition. And that, from a servant leadership standpoint, if you take the helm of an organization that that has that, you have to overcome that. You have to make people understand that, that they are the most important asset and collectively support it's important that they support each other. And and we yeah. see that in organizations that are very successful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some,
0: some level of healthy competition can be a good thing. Yeah. That's a good word. Healthy competition is a damn good word. That's a but, good it, but, word. It, but it very quickly can become toxic. And yes. we've talked before about toxic leadership, but there can be toxic competition and toxic dynamics within the relationships in your mm-hmm. team. And if, you know, if, if, the competition starts to undermine the purpose of the organization and people are sabotaging other team members so that they can get ahead so they can preserve their job or move, you know, get the bonus or whatever. Then that obviously is not healthy. That's not what anyone wants. Um, yet we see organizations in the name of productivity, in the name of lean, you know, sometimes going too far, the pendulum swings too far in that direction. And something you said a minute ago also that I thought I'd just comment on. Um, when at the, the end of the day, I don't really care what you think or believe on a whole slew of issues as long as you treat people with dignity and respect and mm. like you, you do good things, right? So I don't care what God you pray to <laughs> as long as you're a good person that treats people kindly. Um, I, I don't care which political party you're affiliated with, or if you're not affiliated with one, I don't care if you're a Mac or a PC person. I don't care about any of that stuff. Right. That's good. Yeah. As long as you treat people well, and as long as you treat other people on the team well. And so yeah. when we talk about building community, you know, I think it is important to focus on what are the, the behaviors? What are the signals that we're sending through our interactions with each other? And are we being supportive? That doesn't mean we have to get rid of or jettison all of our personal beliefs, values, you know, all of the norms of our upbringing, our childhood and, you know, our families and communities, you know, we all bring our eclectic kind of views of the world to the workplace. And actually that can be very valuable as long as we create a safe place where people feel like they can share their perspective without being judged. And if you have a a workplace community where everyone treats each other kindly, where everyone treats each other with dignity and respect, with some patience, and with um, you know recognizing and and kind of assuming good intentions from each other, Mm -hmm. if we create that kind of an environment, then you can have very vigorous debates. You know, when you're talking about a policy issue or you're talking about a strategic issue, you know, trying to make decisions and get everyone's diverse perspectives on the table. And then, you know, you can make better, well-informed decisions. Um, so in that sense, ideology, or, or certainly at least, um, certainly at least uh, cognitive diversity, you know, having, having different types of perspectives on our thinking is super helpful and even necessary, right. To, for organizations to be successful. it, yeah. it And, but that's, that's dramatically different than moving towards the tribalism, uh, arena because at that point, the idea the ideology moves from just what's going on in my head, how I'm having discussions with people to, it's actually the behaviors that you're and how you're interacting with others, um, and how you're treating others, what you're saying to others, you know, in terms of being condescending or talking down to people, um, calling people names, all of that kind of stuff. And that all is toxic for, for a team, for, for relationships. And you're not going to have uh, – it won't be a safe place where people feel free to share their ideas. They're going to self-censor because they're going to go back to self-preservation like you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and how are you going to get the best out of your people if they're doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to – I love the concept of bleeding-edge thinking one of the reasons that nine eleven happened was because we lacked bleeding edge thinking. Um, but you're not going to get bleeding edge thinking. You're not going to get people out there challenging ideas. You're not going to, you're not going to get to know the things that you don't know. And you're not even going to come up with the fact that you don't know what you don't know. If you don't have a diversity of opinion and a diversity of background, you know, if you stack the deck with, you know, vanilla chocolate chips, and that's all it is—is is just vanilla chocolate chips. And after a while, that's all it is is—is vanilla chocolate chips. Like, that's why diversity—diversity diversity of views, diversity of ideas—they matter. And that's why a collective group. Nobody does it better than the military. It's one of the reasons that I'm—I'm I'm proud of my career. Is the military the military brings such a diverse background of people. They shave our heads. They put us in uniforms and get us to look the exact same and we all perform. And some people will say that they beat the individual out of you, but that's not true. Your individual is still there. Um, But what it does is it teaches you that there's something bigger than you and it's the mission and it's the people that are to your left and to your right. And so they're, they come from all different colors and backgrounds and you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And man, when it works, Wow, like, wow. And it's one of the reasons why we're as successful as we are. You know, I always get on my soapbox about the United States and why why I love this country so much. And I love this country because there really is nowhere else you can go where you can be, you can just be an American. Because America isn't a color, it's not a race, it's not a gender identity, it's not a sexual orientation, it's an ideology. And so somebody can come here from Kenya or Dublin, or, you know, um, Riyadh, and they can move to the United States and they can become an American and they're as American as everybody else. They become part of that tribe. But what's happening in our society right now is they're pulling, you have factions, not because they're trying to make America better, but because they're trying to make more money. That are pulling people apart and setting those people. Oh, you're from Dublin, you're here. You're from Kenya, you're here. You're You're from Riyadh, you're here. It's like, no, don't let that happen. And it's happening in organizations as well. We're seeing it happen in this country. It's pulling that community apart. But that's the beauty of America is America is an ideology. That's it. It is a belief in a constitution. And it's a belief in the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for people. And that's a beautiful thing because what that says is, and it was formed imperfectly. We know that. We know that but it's the only place in the world that you can go and you can become. I can never go become a Jap Japanese. I can't, I can never, I can never be that. I can never go to China and become Chinese. I can never go to, you know, Guyana. I can't, they, I, I will always, I will always be something else, but every single one of those people can come here and they can become one of us because one of us is that, is that community. It's that tribe. It's that, it's that belief. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And if you build your organizations that way, holy hell. America is the greatest country in the world because of its diverse. Because of that. And so all you have to do is look at the way that this country is formed and forms your organizations this way. And understand that nothing's perfect. You always have to you always have to work at it. You have to cultivate it. You have to sharpen it, you know. But don't let people tear it apart. You get leadership in your organizations where you can tell that they're trying to tear it apart, pit people against people. Kick them out. Kick them out. The more, that you, the more people you can get in there and, and as many differences as possible, and it can be as simple as different, difference in ideology or, different, or a view about something. But when they all become a part of that and they want to be a part of that, It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And from a servant leadership standpoint, that's what you want. And right now our politicians, they're the furthest thing from servant leaders that I've ever seen. All of them. I haven't really seen at the local level. I see some servant leaders, but at the national level, nah, nah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. That uh, a leader who is truly a servant leader at heart or or making the effort, right. Trying to become a servant leader, their, their uh, goal will not be to separate and divide. Their goal will be to unite, to bring together, and to collectively, not, not to erase individual difference, right? That's not what we're talking about. No. But to celebrate it and to lean on it, right? To, to rely on the different worldviews, the different perspectives, the different backgrounds, and, and helping everyone understand that they're part of the community. That's what a servant leader, like at the at the core of, of who it would what it would mean to me to lead a group of people, is that I want them all to feel welcomed, wanted, valued, appreciated, and that everyone within the team feels like, you know, they're they're equally on the same footing and we treat everyone with dignity and respect. Uh, that's what has to be there. And when it's not there, whether it's in an organization, politics or religion or whatever, then that's where we start to have problems and we start to see the breakdowns. Yeah. Well said. Well, Eric, it has been a pleasure uh, starting this uh, weekly series back up with you again. And I look forward to more discussions. We are um, about out of time for today, but before we close any
1: final thoughts uh, that you want to share with listeners? We're going to pick up a lot of these topics some more because we're only, we're only brushing the surface on this stuff. Each one of these topics is its own, you know, full semester college course. And so we'll revisit these things, Um, but they matter. Community matters. You, you can't stand in isolation in your own, you know, your own silos. We have to exist with one another. And it's a beautiful thing to exist with one another. So,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure, always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Um, And as always, I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks. We look forward to having you join us.
1: Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. For Digitas, this is HPE Radio at ID 1HPE0349000, spot title HPE Episode 2, English Radio, 30 seconds long, mixed at harbor on October 25th, 2023.
0: So, how do we get AI right?
1: Well, we need the right volume
0: of data, the software to train it, and massive compute power, or another one bites the dust. Are
1: you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you
0: hanging on the edge of your seat? But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need, helping generate better insights.
1: Nice teamwork, guys. Search HPE GreenLake.